You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do this. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm sitting down today with Bruce Adams and GP. Good afternoon, Bruce. Good afternoon, GP. How are we today? We'll start with you, Bruce, because apparently I've forgotten you the last two days. How are you? <laughs> Good afternoon. Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well. Fantastic. GP, I'm- how are you today? <laughs> amazing. No, I didn't forget. Just you. amazing. I, no, I, it wouldn't be. I'd be okay. Let's get, let's get going with the stories. Uh-huh. I heard you've got a ton of things you want to get over. What, what do we got? I do want to talk about some things, but I, I tell you what, since mm. you're in here, right? No, it's not going to be about California. I really don't have anything on California today, but uh, I do have something out of the Netherlands, if you can believe it. They have no face masks. And yet some of their top scientists are saying there's no solid evidence that they actually work. And they warn they could even damage against this kind of stuff. Now, we've gone back and forth here about masks. We've talked about virus size versus pore size in the mask and, and all that stuff, which just based on the pore size alone, in my opinion, my personal opinion, it makes it irrelevant. However, if someone wants to wear one again, it's their personal choice. Do I think they should be mandated? No, I don't. Is it a business's choice whether or not they ask patrons to apply them when they go in to visit their business? Yes. Is it right for the government to come in and find the business if they don't have such policies? No. You have to kind of pick through it and you have to pick and choose your battles when it comes to this thing. So the Dutch scientists are coming out and saying that these things don't even work. So we're not even going to mandate them. What's your thoughts to that? Because they're not using them up there. No, but they are social distancing. If you look into what they are doing, what they they are doing, the social distancing, they're not gathering in the uh, like they used to. And so they're finding that that is actually what's making the determine what's making the difference is the social distancing as opposed to the masks. Because once they're wearing the masks, people are get comfortable as in being closer together, being on top of each other. Like, well, I got a mask. I'm going to be fine. And that's that's not the case, especially with these cloth masks. I mean, well, they're saying that uh, the evidence for them is contradictory. And in general, we as a populace, as you just said, it gives you a sense of false security. You know, you have a mask mm-hmm. on, then you think you can just jump all over top of people. People think they're immune from a disease or they stop social distancing. That is a negative, they say. Yes, you, you do need social distancing with anything. I saw these booze being made. <laughs> I, I don't know which cafe it is, but you, you literally have your own privacy booths outside. And I, I, I kind of liked it. I saw those I, things. I, like, I, I saw those. And have you seen these great. new bubbles? You seen these new dining bubbles? They're calling them in France. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Okay, so you seriously, you sit at a table, right? So everybody's mm-hmm. sitting at a, at a table, just as you normally would. Mm-hmm. But a little bubble mm-hmm. comes down over top of you, right? Think of the think of the old TV show Get Smart, that cone of silence. Oh, the right? cone that's of silence. Yes, that's what that's what it is. <laughs> awesome. I'm good with that. That is great. Because there's nothing like having someone's extraordinarily loud conversation drowning out your your nice meal. 
Yeah, well, know. that's I'm, I'm isn't, that, isn't that the damn truth? You know, because we've lived with that mm-hmm. for thousands of years now. So I mean, that's just kind of mm-hmm. the way it is. And they're not using them up in uh, up in the Netherlands. And I, I I found it quite funny that they're not using them. But uh, you know what? It's an attitude of control. Any way you look at it. I mean, that's that's my stance on it. Based on the research that we've done here and the things we've presented, that's where I'm at on it. It's an attitude of control. It's not meant to actually stop you from getting anything. You can go the preventative measure, yes, but that still doesn't stop anything. And then, of course, what's this going to cause long term, right? What are we what are we looking at five, 10 years down the road? That's my other concern with it, which obviously we don't know that yet. So what's the other concern? Five, 10 years down the road, is this going to cause respiratory problems? Is this going to cause issues of other types of diseases that emerge? What effects do wearing these things for a prolonged period, which I mean, you can answer that now, GP, this has you at higher risk to contracting any type of bacteriological disease, correct? Mm -hmm. Because you're wearing these masks for like eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Yep. And there's going to be those lawsuits. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear those commercials. Did your employer make you wear the same mask for longer than eight hours a day? (laughs) You could be entitled to a settlement. (laughs) Did you or a family member suffer? suffer? We want more money. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We don't get paid until you get paid. And when you get paid, we're going to take 80% of it. Yes. When your money is my money and my money is my money. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Speaking of COVID stuff, Sturgis, mm. right? The uh, the motorcycle rally Yay. in uh, South Dakota. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yay's right. Sturgis is expecting 250,000 people this year because I think it's the 80th. Uh, I, th- I think it's the, yeah, the 80th edition of the Sturgis Motor- Motorcycle Rally. It's on, right? People are, are talking on social media and everyone's uh, at the, uh, the committee saying, yep, it's on. They couldn't have Burning Man, right? Burning Man is supposed to be now, isn't it? Is, is it Burning Man supposed to be now? Oh, I'm not sure, but probably. You're not sure? It's summer. Uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't running the same time as uh, Sturgis last year, was it? I, I don't know. I can't remember when Burning Man is. Uh, Burning Man could be. Burning Man I mean, could be you're July. not. I thought you were following that all the time, that you were always on that, because that was the thing you want to do. <laughs> I wanted to go. Well, you and I talked about actually going to it this year. We, we talked yes, about it. We were, we were talking last year because you thought that it was just still a bunch of uh, old hippies yeah. and tents out there in the desert hanging out in the back of their not cars. It's giant, not yes. Yeah. It's also so. it's, it's, it's at the end of August. So. Yeah. Okay. End of August, uh, beginning of September. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're doing Sturgis, but they're not doing that, which, by the way, we were just going to go to um, Burning Man and we were going to podcast from there on location and we were going to take, you know, get sound clips. We were going to interview people. That's all we were going to go there for and to see all the, you know, crazy stuff that's going on. But and the ayahuasca. But, you know, yeah. (laughs) I I think there's more. I think there's more potent stuff at. uh, at Yeah, there's a lot more potent stuff at Burning Man. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah. But uh, no, that's uh, that'll be something for uh, for a later time. But Sturgis is on now. They're doing two hundred and fifty thousand in Sturgis for this. It's possibly, you know, possibly could go higher. But um, the message has been broadcast across all social media as South Dakota, which has seen an uptick in cases. Yeah, I wonder why. Testing. Braces to host hundreds of thousands of bikers for the 80th edition of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. 250,000, more than 250,000 people are expected to rumble through the western part of South Dakota, seeking the freedom of cruising the boundless landscapes in a state that has skipped the lockdowns. August 7th through 16th is the event. Uh, and that could be the biggest anywhere so far during the pandemic. And it will offer businesses that depend on a rally a chance to make up for losses uh, caused by lockdown. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because a lot of these places, I mean, they survive on that tourism uh, when Sturgis comes through there. And, and Sturgis is a big 
for those that don't know, and, and for those those that are listening outside the U.S., Sturgis is the name of the town, right? Sturgis, South Dakota. That is the largest. It is the largest, right, GP? The largest motorcycle rally in the country. Yes, absolutely. By far. Yeah. And people from not just the U.S., but people from all over the world go there. And mm-hmm. it's just it's a huge event. And you can see it. I mean, you can just go on like YouTube or something and just Google Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And it's it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy uh, of all the things that are that are there. But the city itself, if you can imagine this, the city of Sturgis itself is only about 7000 people. So if you can imagine 7000 people and then for 10 days, you take on another quarter million just to give you an idea of how um how big that is and how much they depend on that festival every year so they're going to uh they're going to open it what, what do you think of this fellas what, what do we think because we know that fauci and crew are gonna they're gonna have a, a conniption over this so what do, you, what do you guys think good i hope they have a connection over it no, well uh, I th- not, I really maybe don't. we could register everybody and and follow them and see how many people you know do a really uh, a research project on that i would i would really love to see a contact tracer try to walk up to one of these fellas. <laughs> I would really like to see that because that right there is not going to go well. What do you mean? You mean going up to a biker and going, hey, uh, you want to tell me the last 16 people you've been hanging out with? <laughs> is it going to go well? I don't think that's going to go very well at all. <laughs> I, yeah, you know. Honestly, I we, we should have never shut down in the first place. Uh, you know, that, that's been my opinion the entire time, even even for the, the beginning, like when we were still didn't know what was going on and everything, the rates and everything weren't they weren't high enough to really. I mean, if, if this was something like had a, a fatality rate of like Ebola, but it spread like the flu. OK, you know, then I can warrant yeah. shutting down and doing all that stuff. Right. Uh, yep. Extreme measures for something that dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's not that way. So why did we shut the, down in the first place? The flu is so, worse yeah, I, by the numbers. Yeah. The flu is worse. The flu pandemic so, from 100 years ago is worse. So the whole and that's the other thing. We've kind of talked about it before. Woodstock happened in the middle of a pandemic. People tend to forget that. And you had tons of people together in one place, not socially distancing, you know, or masks or any of that. And look at that. Humanity survived. America's still in one piece, relatively speaking. Same thing here. Yeah, some people are probably going to get sick from it. Probably, because whether they are or aren't, <laughs> we know how the testing goes. This is a huge foolish mistake to make the host of the rally this year. Mm-hmm. A Sturgis resident, Linnell Chapman, told city councilors at a June meeting, the government of Sturgis needs to care most for its citizens. But in a survey of residents conducted by the city, more than 60% said the rally should be postponed. But businesses are the ones that stepped up and said, uh, no, we need this. And so they went ahead with it. So the city council, can you imagine the audacity of that city council caving to local businesses? Can you imagine? You have a town of 7,000 people that are dependent on that type of thing. They don't have, I mean, this is not like New York City. So they don't have a lot of the income other times of the year. They depend on this tourism. Businesses do this. They they make enough in that time, in that couple of weeks, to cover their operating costs for the rest of the year and then to prepare for the next year. That's how a lot of these businesses work. Same thing when you look at tourist areas down along the southeastern coast and down along the southwestern coast. Same thing. You have tourism time. That's when it is. Companies will and businesses will make money during that time to cover their operating costs. So they're there the following year. How is this so difficult to understand for these people? I mean, what? Okay, it just saves one life, just saves one life. You're going to tank an entire town. You're going to get rid of 80 years of a motorcycle festival because what? Numbers that are less than the flu. 
foolish. But it's if it just foolish. saves one life. <laughs> it just saves one life. Yeah, sure. But yes, it says here that um, now this is a this is a particular business owner there, Ron Woodruff. He operates the Buffalo Chip. He said that he felt like he had little choice but to proceed with the rally and pushed for it. He said he employs hundreds of people in August and a smaller full time staff. Right. So he brings on people for that couple of weeks. And his quote to this is, we spend money for 355 days of the year without any return on it, hoping people show up for nine days. So we're a nine day a year business. That's what these businesses are. Right. They're nine days. They operate for that amount of time, that couple of weeks. And then that's it. Right. There's really no one else. I mean, what you go from a quarter million back down to seven thousand within a period of a couple of weeks. So those businesses can't operate and make that kind of money the rest of the time throughout the year. So they need this kind of stuff. This idea that uh, you're going to you're going to turn around and you're going to cancel this kind of thing because, oh, well, you you can't guarantee you're going to keep people safe. Try telling two hundred and fifty thousand bikers to social distance and wear masks. Right. <laughs> Good luck with that one, which some people might. Right. I mean, some people might. That's their thing. Right. Bikers do the bandanas across the face and all that stuff. OK, fine. But social distancing at Sturgis. I don't think so. I don't think so. Probably not going to happen. But anyway, yes, I'm glad they're carrying on with it. You guys think they should have Burning Man if they're doing Sturgis? Why wouldn't they have Burning Man? Should we should we they do actually Burning have Man? tickets still for sale for Burning Man at the end of the month? It's a virtual Burning Man. Though. Oh, that's what it is. OK, that sounds not fun still. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, I, I don't know how a virtual Burning Man's going to work. That doesn't doesn't quite make any sense. Well, they're going to have web cameras out there for like one guy sitting in a desert at a booth somewhere. So mm-hmm. that, that doesn't well, that you can have amazing. online shops or something. <laughs> you know, PayPal's accepted. I mean, I, I don't know how that works. So enough of that COVID crap. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is going to be the first city to launch a UBI. Bruce, we've talked about UBIs. GP, I, I don't know. Are you even on? Are you on board with the UBI? I don't know. I've never asked you that. Uh, well, it's <laughs> I don't know. Most no in general, because everything it's not it's going to get voided out because all the cost of everything is going to go up. Yes. So it, it's kind of a pointless scenario. So, Bruce, what did Dorsey, Jack Dorsey, right, the Twitter CEO, he's come mm-hmm. out and he's given a whole bunch of money to the city of Pittsburgh. So what's he done up there? So he gave I believe it's three million. Uh, he's giving three million dollars to multiple cities. Pittsburgh is is uh, the first one, I believe. And uh, eligible residents will receive $500 a month in guaranteed income. So if you go by his Twitter post on this, he's saying he's giving $3 million uh, for programs in cities across the country. This is one tool to close the wealth and income gap, level systemic racism and gender inequalities and create economic security for families. With $3 million. So with $3 million. But (laughs) I was kind of joking offline if you read what he's saying there like like what he's trying to quote unquote fix income inequality and or the income gap and then the level of systemic racism so that means you're gonna have to have a oh and gender inequalities that means all the money is gonna go to black women without a job I mean, that, that's kind of what he's saying here, is, and it, he, is it not? He says, yeah, he says here an eligible residents will receive $500 a month in guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. The money used to start the program will come from funds Dorsey gave that is allowing Pittsburgh and 15 other cities mm-hmm. to help those who are struggling during the economic crisis brought about by economic. By, OK, so it's going to go to African-American unemployed women. Is that that's what you said? I'm, I'm being facetious. If you read oh, his okay. if you read his tweet, I, his tweet is saying. Yeah. Okay. He says this is one tool to close the wealth and income gap, level systemic racism, gender inequalities, and create economic security for families. Okay. But uh, first of all, 
it's, as GP said, it's going to cancel itself out because $500 a month, especially in a city such as Pittsburgh, that's not a lot of money, right? If you want to go to a Pittsburgh Pirates game, which you can't go to right now, if you want to go to a Pittsburgh Pirates game, $500 will get you a ball ticket, dinner, and park in the car, okay? So maybe not quite that much, but damn close to it, it seems like. I mean, that's not a whole lot of money. So how are you expected to take on a universal basic income with such low amount? I mean, you could argue, okay, $5,000 a month, you could go that high with it. Now you're getting somewhere, right? Now you're getting somewhere. $500 a month, that is just, I mean, that's just an extra walking around money, it seems like. Doesn't seem like something you can live off of. I mean, Social Security pays more than that. Right, right. But this, I don't think this excludes or or, um, keeps you from getting welfare. So you would get welfare on top of the extra $500 is kind of what my suspicion is. And Um, unemployment? Because mm -hmm. you would get- Yeah, probably. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what the qualifications are. It doesn't really go into detail on who or 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 what kind of uh, stats or analytic stuff they're going to look at to determine whether or not you warrant having the money. OK, so if we do a universal basic income, which they're already experimenting with it. Right. GP, what's this going to do to prices? What's this going to do to price stability across the board? Well, at first, it really nothing. And but eventually it's going to catch up, you know, because when you get flush with money, everything is supply and demand. But I don't know if five hundred dollars is really going to do anything. I don't think it is such a small amount. That's such a it's really that's a little bit of extra grocery money. And that's about it. Maybe lunch money for for a couple of weeks. It's not going to make eggs go up. And it's not going to really make, you know, fast food go up in prices or anything like that because, yeah, it's not it's too small. But when you said 5,000, yeah, that's going to make a big difference. Which let's hope they don't do that. They would like to. I'm sure they would. Well, one one thing that the article talks about that's not really UBI, but kind of uh, what? OK, so this is this is a quote from uh, Forbes or excuse me, Tubbs told Forbes, right? Mayors are the moral leaders of the country that this is the California mayor. Uh, see Stockton, I believe. Stockton, California mayor. Mayors are the moral leaders of the country. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Government is never the moral leaders. Uh, anyway, it just it just struck me wrong. Well, they have the moral obligation to step in and help if they if they need to. Isn't that right? I mean, isn't that how we look at government? Yes, they have the moral obligation to, oh, to help mm, people. I'm being completely mm, moral obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm being completely. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> okay, so five hundred dollars five hundred dollars a month might not be enough to curb prices or make things go up or or anything like that. It might not affect price stability or anything like that. But one thing that will affect price stability, one thing that will cause, I'm going to say a a 25 to 30% rise across the board on everything is going to be this $15 an hour minimum wage that they're talking about, right? We've heard Bernie talking about that for a long time, this fight for 15 garbage, about all businesses need to raise it to $15 an hour. Well, what if some businesses can't pay that? We've had that argument before about $15 an hour minimum wage, which I think we're all against. But if a business can afford to pay their employees $15 an hour and that's what they want to do, that's their choice. That's what they should do then if that's what they want. But they shouldn't be forced into that. That is going to be a death sentence for whatever's left, which that's what we talked about before all the COVID stuff, the lockdowns and the you know devastation to businesses. But now Best Buy. Right. Best Buy. Everybody knows Best Buy. The uh, well, you know, U.S. people know Best Buy, the electronic store, right? The major electronic store chain. They have a new $15 an hour minimum wage. 
company-wide. So they're going to start doing this. Okay, they started doing it yesterday. Everyone is now getting $15 an hour minimum wage at Best Buy. Uh, The CEO has come out with a quote. He says, in the early days of the COVID-19 crisis, we made a number of temporary decisions, including providing depreciation pay to hourly field employees. I'm assuming those are the people like the geek squad and stuff that go out and do the setups, I'm guessing. That's, That's what I'm assuming as well, yeah. And we're now pleased to evolve to a more structural approach that significantly invests in paying and supporting them in ways that they have asked for and so clearly earned. It's a 4% pay bump for hourly workers, replacing the incremental hourly appreciation pay that began on March 22nd as a short-term incentive compensation for their work during the pandemic. Employees who are still not at the $15 per hour wage after the 4% increase will have their pay automatically increased to the new starting wage. So again, I mean, this is... This is my take. If a business can afford to do this and they take it upon themselves to do that, I don't see a problem with that. However, I see the problem forming when the government gets involved and says, "Okay, we're going to mandate that you raise everything to $15 an hour, which means all businesses have to do it. It's a one size fits all, which you can't do that. But if this company can afford to do that and it's a 4% increase, as they're saying, that's not all that much. However, that might affect prices on their products. Or am I wrong here? No, I mean, it's possible. It depends on what their profit margin is and how much they, you know, uh, are are cutting into that. Honestly, I'm of the same opinion. I don't want government mandating what minimum wage has to be. I understand the whole, well, you want to ensure governments or, or you want to ensure businesses don't exploit the employees, blah, 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 blah. I get it, right? We have systems in place that people can use other than government to to do that, right? I mean, for an easy example in a, in a free market society, it's simple as me as a, uh, the customer. If I don't like that they don't pay their employees well or they don't treat the employees well, I'll go do business somewhere else. So, I mean, that that's an, an easy upfront way to combat it. If, if the business chooses to have a minimum wage of that amount, fine. You know, go for it. There is quite a gap, though, if you want to call it a gap using the the trigger words here between like the coasts and, say, middle America. Right. You want to make money. You go to one of the coasts, whereas, you know, here in the in the Midwest, you, there's not really big money making things around here unless you're like an accountant or something. A I thought meth was pretty big over there. Uh, I mean, I, I guess if you want to get into that world, sure. Yeah. Uh, moonshine. Not much of a retirement. Yeah, yeah. Not much of a retirement plan in that uh, in that line of work. Well, no. you get three hots in a cot and a stabbing <laughs> here and there. I mean, come on, what more can you ask for? Yes, GP. I've always wanted to pursue a, a life in that particular field of work and then get shanked by a toothbrush. Yes, uh, fifteen dollars an hour, GP, on businesses. Exactly. If they can afford it, great. If uh, if it's mandating, I mean, initially it's going to hurt smaller businesses. But as products and everything come in line, as the money comes in line, it's it's not going to change much. It's just going to be everything's more expensive. You know, instead of 25 cent eggs, it'll be 40 cent eggs. No matter how much as as we increase our income, the prices of everything goes up. So there's not really much of a change. <laughs> what, what, what do they say? Then the 60s, your dollar does not have the same kind of purchasing powers today. Minimum wage back then was what, a dollar and change? In the 60s, I think it was around one, 155 to 170, I want to say. If, if that's, yeah, purchasing that power right. was different because we kept increasing the minimum wage. Oh, let's increase Correct. the minimum wage. Let's increase the minimum wage. And there's a well, lot of new car because a new things car in cost the 80s. more. A, yes. a new car in 1980, right? Just I, I saw this statistic the other night. A new car in 1980 was about $7,000. Okay. In 1980, that was a new car. I mean, obviously, it wasn't like top of the line or anything, but you get yourself a new car for $7,000. In 1989, that same car was selling for 
about $15,000. Now, in that time period, did we have a rate, an increase in minimum wage? Yes, we did. Uh, we also saw uh, the average salary for uh, just you know average take-home pay uh, nationwide went from somewhere around, I saw that statistic too, it was, it, it basically it doubled, right? So obviously the prices of everything else are going to double to coincide with that, as you're saying. So mm-hmm. uh, you guys quoted 1960 uh, right at the beginning, right? Yes. 1960, minimum wage was $1. Uh, $1. Okay. All right. So $1. Was- that's right at well, 1960, right at ni- 1960. Okay. okay. That's what was it in 1960? What was it in 1969? Um, see. Because they gauge it by 10 it years. About, yeah. Well, it unfortunately, the stats I'm seeing is by seven years. So 1967 was a dollar forty. I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna guess it's kind of in that range, 40, okay. 45, somewhere in there. Okay. But going by 1960, right? One dollar in 1960 is worth eight dollars and seventy one cents today. Wow. That so is we've a adjusted more than I we've adjusted for inflation uh, to eight dollars. Yeah. Wow. That's what happens when you raise minimum wage. When you raise the you know everybody does a cost thing. It's good for you know business because they they actually add a little bit in there, a couple cents. But over time, that couple cents is huge. Uh, it says here that um, minimum wage right now is seven twenty-five an hour. That's the f- current federal minimum wage is seven twenty-five an hour. Uh, it looks here like Amazon started doing fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage as well, uh, and they started that in November of twenty eighteen. I didn't realize they did that because all we're hearing from—I mean, I, I see horror headlines coming from Amazon from the workers talking about how awful the conditions are and how the pay sucks. Or do you think that those people are just doing hit pieces? Hit pieces. Uh, in, in a disgruntled sense, okay, employees. disgruntled employees because of the work. These aren't highly skilled jobs. These aren't satisfying jobs. You know, you're, it's, it's very difficult when your mindset is, okay, well, I'm, a, I'm an Amazon boxer. I put things in packages. There's not the sense of accomplishment. So the people are going to look down on themselves and everything else. And so they're just going to be disgruntled all the way across the board. Unless you're making an extraordinary amount of money where you can offset that, which you're not, it's going to be miserable for you. I mean, these are, it's a fast pace and a lot of people are spoiled. You know, there's, everyone's a special freaking snowflake and they just not used to having to work hard because they've gotten everything given to them or they came from where their jobs just aren't anymore. Like, you know, like a uh, city or government job where you worked one hour out of every eight and still got paid the same, where now you're working an eight-hour job, and guess what? You're working eight hours. It's just how it is. So <laughs> you take those jobs. I've, I've done those jobs. I used to, I used to fold newspapers at, uh, <laughs> at uh, the Review Journal in Las Vegas. And I'll yeah, tell you. I had you, a paper route. It, I had a paper route. I'm not, a, not a paper route. No, I was inside folding them, putting the papers together, folding them for those guys. Yeah, oh. I was inside, inside. Yeah. <laughs> and it's t- you're talking about the most unskilled of unskilled. But I needed work at the time. And I'm not one of those proud, you know, people that say, you know, I'm too proud to work. No, it was a job. It was available. I was new to Las Vegas. And so I did it. It's because I needed to take care of take care of me, you know, at the time. But see, so, yeah. you're, what you're talking about, though, I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up. And I'd like, I'd like to talk about that for a minute. We come from a different I mean, there's a little bit of an age difference between mm-hmm. me and you and Bruce. But you know what? I don't think it really matters in this sense, because we're talking about the way we were brought up when it comes to taking a job. And mm-hmm. with our work ethic and the way that we were brought up, we are trained by default, right? We were brought up with the sense, do what you need to do to work hard, take care of your family, take care of yourself, whatever you need to do. There's no shame. Mm-hmm 
stream in it. Just do what you need mm-hmm. to do. And mm-hmm. with and do our well. type of... Yeah, exactly. And do the best you can at it. And mm-hmm. take some pride in what you do, right? Now, it doesn't matter what you do, but work mm-hmm. to the family members that we were brought up with, that was sacred to them, right? As long as you had a job, mm-hmm. you had some dignity. And Yeah, absolutely. With uh, But my point I'm trying to make is you're talking about like the people that are in these warehouses working these, you know, full eight hours. Well, that's what we did, right? You worked a full eight hours. Mm-hmm. Or if you had a part-time job, you worked a full four uh, four or five hours, whatever it was. I mean, I had a job. Mm -hmm. I had a part-time job when I got off of school in high school. Mm -hmm. And I I went, I I got home from school. I I put my books down and I I got dressed for for my job and I went to work. And then I came home. I did my homework. I went to bed and I rinsed and repeat, did it every day. But the point I'm trying to make here is, and I keep alluding it, but the point I'm trying to make here is, is if we, for example, lost our jobs, right? Because you made reference to like one of these government people Mm -hmm. working an hour and getting paid for eight or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If they happen to lose their job or somewhere else, and then they go to say like Amazon or something like that, and they actually have to work. Well, Mm -hmm. if we lost our jobs, right, let's just say we Mm -hmm. lost our jobs with our work ethic, we would probably have some, if we had to, like if we had no cushion or anything like that, if we didn't have any you know, mm-hmm. type of safety net for ourselves that we build up uh, to get to tide us over until we find something else. We would find something by the end of the day. It doesn't matter what it would be. It would be maybe cutting exactly. grass or it would be you know washing dishes somewhere, but we would have something by the end of the day. There's the difference right there. To me, that's the difference is we were brought up differently to have a value and a type of dignity that was assigned to work and to producing something and to taking pride in what you could do. And these generations coming up don't have that. They don't have that. Well, because they all believe they all deserve the maximum amount of money for the least amount of effort. Everyone's a winner. There aren't losers in their world. They weren't taught that way. They weren't trained that way. Well, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair to have some losers. Mm hmm. And some winners. So you're saying the problem began with participation trophies. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? It began with Dr. Spock, but that's before Dr. all of Spock. your time. <laughs> Dr. Spock and his anti-punishment. Do not punish your children. No corporal punishment for your children. No punish your children. It's, that's, that's wrong. Okay. Yeah, I could go along with that. They yeah, know I, what I could children know. Really? You think spanking's bad? N- no, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I could go along with what you're saying. No, I, that's, oh, okay. that's what I meant. <laughs> No, I think it should be. I think kids should be uh, punished when they screw up. Right. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, that's we could tie that into a whole different thing when when it comes to like, you know, family (laughs) breakdowns and all this stuff, which we're not going to do that. But uh, anyway, keeping with finances here, uh, Bruce, you got anything else on that? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know where to transition from there because we okay. were talking about spankings and then uh, I, I kind of <laughs> yeah, right. trailed Look, off. You got, on got that, excited. So. I mean, what? Wait. <laughs> honestly, we could just label this one. We could just label this one participation trophies, I think. I mean, yeah, uh, the whole uh, that's something that was kind of initialized. Like, I remember getting trophies and stuff or like little ribbons and stuff for for. Mm-hmm various things and i was like i always felt like why the heck am i getting one of these like uh, the 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 team and stuff was like mediocre it's not like we were great we accomplished something it, it felt almost like antagonistic almost or or you know something on those lines it, it was not it wasn't bringing fairness if you will I, it, it didn't make us feel any better about it it was just kind of rubbing dirt in or or salt in a wound no, I get what you're saying, because, I mean, to me, an example of like a trophy thing, and it, to me, it's first place, second place, third place. That's it. If you didn't do well yep. enough to get to that particular level, 
then you have to learn that, hey, you lost. Try harder next time. Right? Yeah. That's what that's what it is. And I remember I remember getting the, uh, the, you know, the fourth and the sixth and the eighth place trophies for the teams that I was on. And I was like, what, what, what is this? What What is this? But mm-hmm. like it didn't really mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Like it didn't mean anything yeah. to me. It was it's kind of and what you said. It was it was just it was there. But it's like, OK, wow, you you participated this year. Great. Here you go. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's just like personality type and I'm 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 a little bit competitive and and to have that thrown in your face like ha you you guys failed but uh here you go here's your trophy it was kind of like no this is no this isn't this isn't how it works this is this is garbage you know we were we were gunning for first place and and we got this like no it, it just it didn't help the psyche like they thought it would We'll put it that way. You know, I, I've I got to admit, I'm, I'm a little bit of that competitive myself, but it, it all stems back to the early days when I started playing baseball. And I remember that our team was we were tied for first place and it was the last game of the season. So it was split. Whoever won that game was going to get first place in the town that year for Little League. And I thought, all right, you know, that's great. I mean, we played our we played our hearts out. Right. I mean, it was not like we we gave it a half half cocked effort or something. But you know something? We lost that game. I'll still remember this. I, I was eight years old. We lost that game. And we ended up second place. And I remember I got a second place trophy. And you know what? To this day, I'm still pissed off about that to this day. (laughs) It's like we got that second place trophy. And I'm like, we just needed two runs, right? (laughs) That's all we needed. Uh And, uh, you know, here here I am, you know, all this time later. And I'm still mad about that. So (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. But anyway, yes. uh, Anything past uh, third place? (laughs) Go home, kid. (laughs) You know, go home. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, speaking of participation trophy winners, right? Mm-hmm. Minneapolis, there's some stuff, right? Minneapolis, right? They vote, the city council there voted to disband their police department, not just defund it, to disband it. The day after they voted to disband it, you know what those city council people did? They went out and they hired their own private security at taxpayer expense. That's what they did. But now Minneapolis is being plagued by, by a violent crime wave. Never would have guessed. I wonder why. That's impossible. That's impossible. People will police themselves. Yes. People yes, are always I'm looking sure out for the benefit of each other, especially in yes. areas like that. Yes, of course. Wait, did, did they did they not hire enough social workers? Is that well, what the problem was? I think oh, yes. That, well, that, see, they've, yeah, that's, they're disbanding the department and they're in the pro- it's a transition period, you see. Right. Because they need mm. to get the qualified people in there in order to, to handle the, the backlog of everything. So. Uh, As violent crime surges in Minneapolis, the city is now telling residents they're on their own. Why are you still there? If if you're a resident in Minneapolis, I know we have listeners in Minnesota. If you're in the Minneapolis area, why are you there? Leave. Leave now if you can. Sell everything you got. Can't afford to. I think you can sell to. Well, yeah, I understand that. Okay, fine. But is it? And if you list anything, you're just you're just opening yourself up to getting robbed. Okay, it's a very difficult situation that they're in. I, I, I'm just looking at it from, I mean, if they stay, it's certain demise, right? Mm-hmm. If they leave, then, I mean, you're talking about that. So, I mean, they've put the citizenry in, in a catch-22. As soon as the city council up there decided that they were going to disband the police department, that right there should have been a red flag to everybody. As soon as that was the call, that should have been. And I'm sure a lot of people did. They, they took off. They're like, you know what? I do not want to be here. It's like the people that started leaving Seattle as soon as the Chaz situation or CHOP or whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
came into play. People were bolting as quickly as they could, that's trying to peaceful, sell their houses. That's a peaceful demonstration, GP. I don't know what you're talking about. That, that was a peaceful demonstration. Oh, they was, redefined. They do. They, sorry, the, I, I understand. They redefined peaceful. Peaceful means I don't even know how they would describe a, it now because I know they redefined the, the term peaceful. As long as it's there's the violence and it's the summer of love. Right, right. I love you to death. Got it. Got it. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, so a possible solution here. Yeah. And then it's mm-hmm. going to sound a little extreme. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, a, a possible solution is um, the citizens there of, of that city. Maybe you should stop paying taxes and hire your own private security to go in and police the area. Just or how about this? That's, that's about a good, no, I think you're onto something there. How about this? Okay, so you stop paying taxes. All right. That, that's the first thing, because if you don't have any police, then there's no one to enforce the law. So no one's going to come and haul you away uh, to jail. Yeah. Unless, of course... They put out, um, you know, uh, warlords and stuff that are employed by the city, which that's what they want to do. But until they get to that point, if there's no law and order, if there's no police officers, there's no department, then you don't need the courts. Right. Because we're going to create the people's court. Right. So we're not going to need that. And then on top of that, well, what do you need jails for if you don't have the police? to take the people to the court. And if you don't have the court because you don't have any police, well, then what are you going to sentence people for if you don't have a court? So you don't need jails. So let's get rid of those and let's put all them out on the streets. I guess, does this mean that Minneapolis doesn't have a gun ban any longer? I mean, you know, technically, how are they going to how are they going to regulate that? Exactly. You know, so they're telling citizens that it, that they're essentially on their own. If I couldn't mm-hmm. leave then I would be out tooling up. Yeah. I mean, just to throw that term out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what it would be. That's what mm-hmm. they say in the cities, by the way. Uh, I mean, I, I agree. And, you know, as I said, I'd be trying to get my buddies together and, uh, you know, hey, guys, uh, why don't we go out and talk to other citizens and talk about not paying taxes and, and hire some, you know, some of our own security. Maybe in the interim, you make a, a you know, a militia to patrol your own streets because police aren't there to do it. So, yeah. The Minneapolis city government has circulated a letter informing the residents what to do if they're targeted by carjackers or robbers. The letter was addressed to residents living in the city's third precinct and was written on July 28th. Quote from the actual letter. Robberies and carjackings have increased in our precinct. Cell phones, purses and vehicles are being targeted. Some victims have been maced, dragged, assaulted and threatened with a gun. The letter states 100 robberies and 20 carjackings have been reported to the third precinct in July alone. Oh, my God. Here's the letter. Downtown and southwest Minneapolis have seen an increase as well. We want those who live and work there to be safe. (laughs) Well, then why did you get rid of the police department? Here's the robbery prevention tips. Okay, do not walk alone which you shouldn't do that in a city anyway, police department or not. Be hyper aware of your surroundings at all times. Pay attention. What's hyper aware? I've never heard that term before. Hyper aware. Bruce, can you pull that, please? Mm. Hyper aware. Well, I mean, or is this to be constantly looking over your shoulder? Yes, constantly looking over your shoulder. Constantly looking over your shoulder. All right. Carry only items that you need and carry less cash. Be prepared. Oh, Oh my God. Carry less cash. You you need to carry some cash. What was it? What are they saying? They carry less cash, so don't have cash on you. So you need to be digital. Mm-hmm. But see, you can't carry your card because they'll just jack your card. Yeah, and you can't use your, you know, your uh, whatever pay service you're using on your cell phone because they're targeting they're cell phones. Stealing cell phones. So, and you know they're going to be watching ATMs if you do try to get cash. Be prepared to now. It's next line right here. This is another uh, robbery prevention tip. Be prepared to give up your cell phone, purse, and or wallet. 
have mm. keys already in your hand as you approach your car. Despite all of our efforts, robberies may still occur. Despite all of your efforts, you disbanded the police department, you sick idiots. Do not argue or fight with a criminal. Do as they say. Your safety is the most important. Uh, How about you turn it back around on them? How about that? How about you suggest that to your citizenry? Okay, we know that we've disbanded the police department. We know that that we're, we're telling you to fend for yourselves, but we don't want you to arm yourselves. We, we don't want you to protect yourself. We don't want you to look at that Second Amendment in the U.S. Constitution that gives you the right to keep and bear arms. No, 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 no. We don't want you to do that because criminals attack weak targets. That's what they do. Do, do you ever notice a, a criminal going to shoot up a police station? They usually don't do that. You know why? Because they'd be killed in the parking lot. Well, that's what it is. They'd be killed in the it, parking yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. So if you have an armed and responsible citizenry that can protect themselves, crime will go down. But you don't do it by just disbanding the police department. I cannot fathom being in that like my my anger level shoots up when it's those kind of like when we're talking about robberies and criminals, you know, exploiting the weak and all that. I, I'm mm-hmm. just like my initial reaction is free throat punch to everyone. You want a yeah. broken leg? That's how you get a broken leg. I mean, these these. Uh, yeah, it just. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, but see, that's the difference, Bruce, right? We weren't raised in the city. I mean, I can't blame. True. I can't blame the people. We weren't raised in the city. We were raised in the Midwest. And I mean, we were raised in an atmosphere of if you try to come and rob me, you're going to have a real bad day, son. I mean, that's that's yeah. just the way that it is. And so that's why in the Midwest you have the, the good old towns. You know what I mean? It doesn't really happen a lot. Because you walk up on someone like that, you're probably going to get blasted by somebody that's got a concealed mm-hmm. carry. So mm-hmm. or an open carry. If you're I don't know, is Oklahoma an open carry state? Ohio is. I don't know if you guys yes. are or not. You are. OK, I yes. kind of figured. But anyway, be a good witness. They say when you call 911, be prepared to answer many questions <laughs> because we're going we're going to interrogate you on a 911 call. Now, how many suspects age, height, complexion? Is that are they allowed to ask that? Are, you, um, are they allowed that's to ask racist. that? You can't ask that. They're allowed. This is a letter from the city. This is a letter from uh, the, the city of Minneapolis. They're actually saying to name a complexion. I didn't you, think they could do that. You, you can't even do age either. Age is you can't age shame. Hair color, eye color, scars or tattoos, a weapon. What did it look like? What direction did they leave in? And the vehicle description. What are you going to do? You're going to send a social worker after them? They don't have any police. Okay, now that's a robbery prevention, right? That's just a robbery prevention. Carjacking prevention tips. Okay, this is put out again. This is put out by the city of Minneapolis. This is a carjacking prevention tip. All right. Lock your doors while driving. Right. You should do that anyway. Most cars nowadays automatically lock after you get over like five miles an hour, I think. Don't stop for strangers who are trying to approach you or stop your car. So run through uh, BLM. Run through protesters. I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't stop. And I, not from not from the way that those those people are behaving across the country over there. I wouldn't stop. And I've had people tell me when they go through those things and, and all the all the people I know that I talk to that are, are living in major cities, they all have concealed carry. And they say, I'm not stopping. They're, they're telling me they're like, I'm not stopping. I, I will not stop. You know, take it for what it is. Park in well lit areas. You should do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Always be hyper aware of your surroundings. OK, use a tracking device. Well, most phones are low jacks now anyway, right? Never leave anything of value in your car. If you live in a city, I don't care which one, regardless of crime wave or not, you should never leave anything in plain view in a car. Nothing, nothing. Because when someone comes along and they look at a car, they're looking in those windows to see if they see anything of value, because if they don't, they're going to move on. They're not going to waste their time. 
Unless you're in San Francisco. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in San Francisco, I don't know if you guys saw the YouTube video, the, the, the bum in San Francisco, the guy, he's walking down the road. Okay. He's, he's walking down the road. He's walking down Lombard, right? And he's got, mm-hmm. he's got a pipe over his shoulder, like a five foot pipe, metal pipe over his shoulder, like a fence post or something. And he's just smashing out windows of cars right down the line, down the road. And not taking anything, just smashing them out, just walking down the road. I, I don't mean to laugh because that's really sad, but nothing is done, right? I mean, that that's, yeah, anyway. Well, because that's, that's a, um, what's that, quality of life crime? A crime that's less than $900, they can't do anything. That's true. And uh, the district attorney out there, uh, Bodine, B- Bowden, Bo- about whatever his name is, uh, he says mm-hmm. he will not prosecute the quality of life crimes. Will not happen. So mm-hmm. if they do get picked up, or cited, that case is going to get thrown out anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Never leave your car running unattended. Well, that's true. You shouldn't do that. Again, you shouldn't do that anyway in any city. I don't care if it's Minneapolis or or Los Angeles or whatever. People will steal your car. Many victims were dropping off food or other deliveries. True. Pizza delivery guy, car or truck stolen. Memorize your license plate number. It helps towards faster recovery because someone that steals your car, they'd never think to change the plate or anything. Right. I mean, you know, that's probably the first thing you should do. And they sign it to protect with courage and to serve with compassion. <laughs> They're telling people that, I mean, this is what's going on in Minneapolis. And this this is the plan, as, as much as I hate to say it, this is the plan for every major blue city across the country. This is what they intend to do. They will disband the police departments. They will shut down the court systems. They will close the prisons. Some states are already doing it. Not in that order, but they're doing it already. State of California just did what? Gavin Newsom out there is closing prisons, putting the money into education. But yet the, the education system is running a deficit. The city of Seattle, the city of Seattle, they're cutting their police department budget by half this year. Then they're going to target the municipal courts and then they're going to target the jails. Because if you don't have a police department, you don't need the courts. And if you don't need the courts, well, you don't need jails. This is really the logic behind these people. This is how sick these people are. They actually think that the system is causing people to commit crimes so they have to get rid of the system. That's how far gone these people are. So does voting work? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Does voting work? Because if they're going to take this step, if they're going to turn they're going to turn law and order into chaos and, and anarchy, well, then what good are they? What good are they? Does your vote even matter? That's the question we have to ask ourselves in the cities. Does our vote even matter? And don't you think for one minute that, oh, well, I'm not in the city. I don't care. They're going to come to the suburbs, too. They're going to mm-hmm. come to rural America, too. Because the people that leave those areas that say, oh, well, I don't want to live like that anymore. Guess what they're doing? They're going to other parts of the country over there and they're voting the same way as what they did when they lived in those hell holes. And so everything's being changed. So we've got to promote an idea of having a system of fair and just laws, having a system of law and order, a system that does work. Our, our system wasn't broken. The problem is, is we've brought all these people up with this this holier than thou academic uh, theology of just garbage about how all oh, the system's bad, the system's racist. We got to get rid of all this. And now that's who's running the system. We've been compromised from the inside. Last 20 years, we've been doing what? We've been fighting a war on terror, right? That's what we've been doing. War's been off in a faraway land. No, it hasn't. The war's been at home the entire time. People like myself, I was screaming 15, 20 years ago. The people that want to end the country are not in some far off land. They're right at home. Because that's the place we would least expect them. Well, I don't know how I really want to respond to that because I'm in that I'm in the belief that we're we're pretty screwed. I don't I don't think we can get past this, and I think by the time I think we're going to end up having to go through a Venezuela situation, and it's going to happen here shortly. 
within the next year or two, unless we have something drastic happen. I mean, just turn around, free cures, everybody out to work, some sort of business boom. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I, I don't see a light at the end of this this tunnel. So let me ask this, because obviously I wasn't around during that time. Uh, the 1960s, mm-hmm. then when we had the race riots and everything. Yes. Was there any kind of economic struggle like this, where the economy no. was on the verge of collapse? No. Inflation is going, you know, going up. If you look at the stock market and everything, that's inflating. There's a huge bubble in the stock market. It is disproportionately high. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I lean, I, I, I not kind of, I lean the same way GP does. I, I don't see a way out of this right now. Part of the reason I, I, I take that stance is we are here. We've chosen to go down this road. Nobody's standing up. Nobody's saying anything against it in large quantities. It's, you know, you, you have some of the outspoken ones, but the quote unquote silent majority, I'm not sure you guys are out there anymore because where are you? Supposedly, the silent majority is, is you know, the more conservative type, the more people like us, you guys, people like us. Yeah. They're kind of middle of the road. Where are you guys? Where I mean, we I personally, I kind of feel alone out here. You know, we have our circles and everything. And even even in some of my circle, people are crazy. And I know where everyone is. They're at the point of, well, if they do one more thing, then I'll do something. Well, if they do one more thing and it's already been like nine things. Yeah. I mean, because what do you do? What, what what can you honestly do to change this? Go you and know, tar and feather is, our, our politicians? This What's is that what, going to do? This is what good people start. are telling me. The, yeah, this, yeah, right? This is, I mean, that's, that's what we used to do in the good old days, right? But <laughs> this, is, this is what people are telling me is exactly that point, GP. They're saying everybody sees it, but nobody knows what to do. That's the problem, mm-hmm. is everybody sees what's going on. Nobody knows what to do. So what are they doing? They're not doing anything. They're just shutting up. And that is the wrong answer. That's the wrong answer. To for Bruce's now. point, yeah, for now, for now. But to Bruce's point, what he said is he's not sure if they're out there anymore. What have we been saying here for the last month or so? Where in the hell are the people that were around 20 years ago? And that's not that long ago. Where were the people after 9-11? Okay. The the largest demographics of the last 20 years. Where are the people from 20 years ago after 9-11? Ages 18 to 49. Oh, 18 to 49. Where are they? I don't care if you're 50 pounds heavier. My question is, is where are the people that were beating society over the head about American unity, the American Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the flag? Now we got people out there in the streets burning Bibles, stacks at a time, burning flags, tearing our monuments down. Where in the hell is that fighting American spirit? Where is it? Because it's needed now more than ever. Yes, I, we're being I agree told with you, by, We're being told by the care. media. To I don't not care. Do it. I don't care what the media says. See, that's the problem right there. You just said it. You just said it is the media. I made the statement two days ago. Turn the damn TV off. Turn it off. Stop listening to those people. Stop giving a damn what other people think. Social media is what's caused people to give a damn what other people think. Well, since when do we listen to what other people think? Think for yourself. Stand up for what you believe in because we have to stand now for our convictions or we stand for nothing. These people that are out there in the streets, the ones that are up there on the hill, they stand for nothing. We have to stand for something. And so it's time for people to get the hell out of their slumbers or whatever it is you're in. I don't know what it is you're in. I don't know what it ever, I, don't, I don't know what people are in, but they're going to have to wake up because if you don't, we're going to lose it all. And then what are you going to do? Well, if they just do one more thing, right? 
If they just do that, well, that's that's my line in the sand. What is your line in the sand? I know what my line in the sand is. I know what Bruce's line in the sand is. We've had that conversation off air. What's your line in the sand? I don't care if you're American. I don't care if you're Canadian, German, British, French. I don't care because this is going on in all of our countries. We got to put this nonsense, this little bickering, whatever it is aside, and we got to deal with the problem at hand. See, the thing is, people like us, we, we just we just want to be left alone, right? I really don't want to sit here and do this. I don't. I, I got other things that I could be doing. But the times have put me here. I remember I called. I'll never forget this. The day I got back from the U.S. last year, I called GP and I said, we, we got to do something. I don't know what in the world we're going to do, but we, we got to do something because we can see it coming. And we're here now. We're that silent majority. We are the people in the middle. We're the ones you have to convince if you're a politician to vote for you. We're not one side or the other. I agree with fairness. I agree with listening to ideas, having good, healthy dialogue and debate on ideas. And so does everyone else we have on here. That's why we don't always agree. That's the point of it. So we can have a roundtable discussion and toss ideas back and forth. That's why we call it the marketplace of ideas. But if there's one thing that we're lacking in all of this, it is that fighting American spirit. That's all I want. That's all I want to see. 20 to 30 to 40,000, whatever news article you look at, protesters in Berlin, Germany, two days ago. Where's 20 to 40 to 50,000 marching on D.C., standing at the foot of the steps of the Capitol building, protesting those pieces of garbage up there on the hill? Where's that protest? Do you know what happens when you put 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 out on the streets in front of a Capitol building or a state house? Do you know what happens? Oh, they don't like that. They get scared. That's how weak these people are. All we have to do is stand up and say no. That's it. It doesn't require a lot. What are you going to? Oh, I can't because I'll miss work. They're going to take your job. They're going to take your house. They're going to take your pension. You're going to go stand down at the state house. then? You're going to stand at the Capitol then? It's not going to do you any good at that point. We're, we're currently already there, though. I mean, you're you're getting your little government checks right now. So if you rock the boat too much, you risk losing that. Or if you rock the boat too much, you won't get another one because, you know, for example, the Republicans don't want to give out another one. They want people to go back to work. They want life to continue as normal or return to some semblance of normal. Republicans are scared. So the people, well, the Republicans are scared. They're freaking spineless. They have been for years. As far as I, I've been politically aware, the Republicans have done nothing. There's, there's a handful of Republicans and a handful of independents that are constitutional men and women that, that have a spine. And it's just, it's frustrating. It is really frustrating because as you're saying, I can't, I have difficulty seeing that the, the, the people are out there that believe the same way we do. They're just being complacent. Ah, you know, I'm getting a check now. You know, the government pays me. Hey, you know, they print money. So why don't I take some of it? You know, I, I, I feel like too many people are jumping on board with that. Yeah. And it's It's only the, it's bribery. It, it, it's basically bribery. And the people that are more outspoken about it or kind of want to get it back to work are generally speaking, the business owners or, or the ones that are savvy in that or have some kind of understanding of economics, which isn't the majority of people. So I don't know. I get it, man. It is it is frustrating. And that's why I sit here and I, I felt like I kind of came unglued a little bit and I apologize. But it does frustrate me. It frustrates me because I, I could see it coming. Right. I mean, I could I could see it coming. I knew I knew when I was in the States last year, I knew we were, I, I knew what I knew what was going to happen because I could just see it. And I saw the look on people's faces, the look on people's faces, the not caring, the ones that just look like they have no fight in them whatsoever. None. It's like you don't even you don't even care. 
You just wake up and do whatever it is you do, and then you go back to sleep again. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I really don't understand. But that is, is what was pushing. That was part of the motivating factor behind why we're sitting here doing this today is that right there. And I hate to see that in people. I hate to see that in people because historically, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's who we've been turned into. And largely, I mean, you, you can blame a number of things here, but uh, you know, I'm not going to pick just one, but we've been turned into this this docile uh, people. And I just, I don't quite get it. You know, I, I'm just looking for the one thing that's going to snap people out of it. Give them that bucket of cold water in the face. And I'm not sure what that is. But uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, gentlemen. Uh, so we're, we're going to have to leave it there. For those of you who have not and you would like to, please do give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. Marty and I love getting your likes, your comments, your echoes, your upvotes. Please do drop us a line, parlay to us. We would love to hear from you as a listener. I post the podcast up on my feed every day. And so if you'd like to reach out to one of us, if you cannot direct messages, if you're not a verified user, then um, just drop us a comment in one of the posts that we have, and we'll be sure to answer you. We do answer all of the uh, feedback that we do get, and we do appreciate it. And we love hearing from you. You can follow me on Parlor at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. GP, Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening, because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.